the Independence Exeter City podcast. This is Grecian Talk with Ollie Heptinstall, Paul Martin, and Paul Sussex. Welcome along to this week's Grecian Talk, the uh, independent Exodus City podcast. I'm Ollie Hetmanstall, and uh, with me once again this week are X-Web's Paul Sussex and uh, my soccer site co-commentator, Paul Martin. On this week's show, we'll uh, discuss um, Exodus' fine uh, 3-2 win at home to Wickham on Tuesday evening. Also, uh, look back on yesterday's 2-1 away defeat at uh, Southend, and we'll also discuss the tribunal fees for um, Troy Atwell Tenville and James Darmwich. Uh, were released uh, earlier in the week. We'll also discuss uh, League Two, two managerial sackings uh, to talk about. And, of course, we'll look ahead to Saturday's uh, home game with Bristol Rovers in League Two. That's all coming up on Grecian Talk. Right, then, we'll start off, um, as we normally do, um, by looking ahead to Tuesday's... Um, looking back, I beg your pardon, on Tuesday's um, 3-2 uh, win at home to Wickham and uh, we'll start off with a little audio snippet and this is uh, me and Paul, we had a little natter after the match and uh, here it is Right, so it's all finished here at uh, St James Parking Paul, it's been quite an evening um, Try and hope you've managed to uh, digest what's just happened in that uh, last 90 minutes Yeah, well, complete contrast to the last time Wickham came here on a Tuesday night and brilliant game tonight here at St James Park Great character showed by the side to come down, come back from going behind twice, and then the winning goal from Danny Coles. What can you say about that? It was a goal-worthy winning any game. A uh, moment of skill that we probably won't see from the likes of him again. <laughs> the back heel into the bottom corner. Brilliant goal. Curitan really took his goal well as well. Um, and it was a game of real high quality here tonight. And, uh, yeah, fantastic goal from Danny Coles. That superb back heel, wasn't it? And uh, what did you make of uh, performances in general who stood out for you tonight? Well, I think it was a good team performance more than anything, but I think Doherty in the middle of the midfield had a good game, controlled it, showed good passing and vision, and um, Scott Bennett as well had another good game, really got stuck in, did the dirty work that others really don't want to do sometimes, and uh, he just continues to grow and grow with every performance. Right then, I think we're going to leave it now, because um, I expect you want to go back to bed, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's it from St James Park. Okay, and uh, Jamie Curitan, uh, Hans, it was another goal for him, now third to up score with uh, six goals in it just seems to work for him at City. Why do you think? It's, um, they're not just ordinary goals either. They've all been classic goals, which is uh, excellent. Um, he just seems to be in the right place. He's got the confidence. I think that's hugely important for a striker. Uh, all the confidence there, all the cheekiness that a striker has to have. Um, it's just all coming together for him. Yeah, because um, the season he got 20 goals was, of course, when he had that excellent partnership with uh, Richard Logan. But now he's with... Alan Gow, and it seems to be working equally as well, Paul. Yeah, it does, and even on Tuesday night, he linked up well with uh, Kierhain, who I thought did well. He just seems to work well as sort of a man, an attacking midfielder like Kierhain or Gow, who can sort of feed through balls into him, work the channels, and then his finishing ability is just brilliant, as we've seen in his two, well, three spells at the club. Yeah, and uh, Liam Serkham, he missed the uh, Wickham game, didn't he, uh, due to injury, but Paul, did we really miss him that much? Um, I'll be honest, I don't think we did really. I, as when we were commentating on it, I don't think we were, I don't think I really noticed that he wasn't playing, to be honest. Uh, the only thing I would say is that Oakley looked a little bit lost on the right hand side of midfield, so perhaps in that respect, Serkin would have been a better option there if he'd been fit. 
but I don't think he was a great miss on Tuesday night, no. Nope. And um, Paul, we'll stick with you for a minute because you were at the uh, Wickham game, weren't you? And uh, Tommy Doherty, I thought he was fantastic on Tuesday, and I'm pretty sure he would have got a uh, man of the match as well if Cole's not backheeled it in. Uh, what did you make of his uh, display, Paul? Uh, no, I agree with you. I thought he was really good on Tuesday. He controlled things from the midfield. He was. He has a mixture. He keeps it simple when he needs to, and he can play the more more sort of advanced passes as well, through balls and things like that. And uh, yeah, he controlled the game in that midfield. He looked more impressive than Oakley has in a central role, I think. And uh, I'm not sure how he played yesterday, but he did well, re- really well on Tuesday night. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Hans, what was your take on the Wickham game? I presume you listened to it on the radio. What, what was your impressions of the game? I, I, I didn't listen to it on the radio. I was following it on Twitter, which is always a frustration, particularly when Twitter doesn't update. Um, 1-0 down, 2-1 down, um, to win 3-2 is excellent. And, and I saw the goals. They're all good goals. I liked uh, Kevin Amanquo, who perhaps, if he'd been in the Premiership, would have probably been been uh, sent off for some of those uh, tackles because uh, the refs don't like the contact. But um, it set everything up wonderfully. And the uh, audacious, I think, was the word that I used for uh, Danny Cole's back heel. That's excellent. It shows a difference from, I mean, last season that just would not have gone in this season. Um, we do stuff and it happens. It's great. Yeah, it was an excellent. I wish I'd been there. I mean, a three-two win, a three-two win in those circumstances must have been quite, quite good to watch. Yeah, it was a, it was a really excellent game, wasn't it, Paul? We were. Uh, I was slightly expecting a bit of a dour affair, but it was certainly not that. Yeah, it was really good actually to watch. It was one of the best games I've well since I've started the commentary review, but which must be coming up to a year now. It's one of the best games I've seen there. Definitely, the way it swung between each team and. Either side could have won it going into the last sort of 20 minutes, which is what you want from a game, really. It was really good to watch, yeah. Yeah, and I thought Wickham were a bit unlucky. Yeah, I think they did. I, I was, I'm sort of surprised um, that they are where they are, having seen them going forward. They had a couple of good players. I think, was it Joel Grant on one of the wings was a good player? Yeah. Uh, Logan was okay up front. I thought he didn't show that much to suggest that we should have kept him on, to be honest. But, um, no, they definitely had some good players going forward. I think Bevan is a huge miss for them, though, as anyone who scores 20-plus goals in a season would be for any team. But So them losing him on deadline day, I think it was, was a big blow. But, no, I still thought they looked all right, and I think that they will climb the table because they do have some good players. Yeah, I was quite impressed with um, Richard Logan, actually. I thought he was he put himself about um, more so than he, he did for City last season. I thought, I thought he was... Uh, it was a very good display by him. All right, well, then we're going to move on now to yesterday's uh, 2-1 defeat at uh, South End. We've got a match report from a City fan, Russell Edwards, and here it is. Exeter City finally taste defeat on the road for the first time this season. But for a long time, it, it looked like um, there would be another three points for the Grecians. The first half was a very even affair. Um, not too many chances, but most of Exeter's ones fell to Curitan, who you probably would have backed on another day to at least score one of them. Uh, the second half, Exeter started much brighter, passed the ball around very nicely for a lot of it, and uh, the goal came about from a recycled corner that was worked into the box very nicely um, from the right byline. It was worked through to, to Bennett, who poked home. Following that goal, Exeter looks very comfortable and the, the passing was probably some of the best we've seen this season. It looked like only a matter of time before they'd had the second, but it never came. And it was it appeared to be the introduction of a certain Barry Corr um, that proved the turning point in the game. And it wasn't long after he came on 
just following a, a very good save from Kreischak from a, a daisy cutter shot from distance from that resulting corner. Uh, the ball came in and was pretty poorly defended and it almost totally unmarked very cool was able to head home the goal feeling somewhat inevitable but it was him who was the scorer uh, this really perked up the, the Southend fans uh, to our to the away fans right who previously had been mostly chanting um, protest at owner Ron Martin following that goal Exeter's passing game disintegrated and they almost couldn't hold onto the ball at all the pressure mounted and it wasn't long until uh, a, a similar ball from the other side that was again floated or whipped even to the to the far post and this time it was headed in from an impossible looking ang- angle by uh, Eastwood and that was that the turnaround was complete Exeter couldn't really recover despite throwing on some late substitutes and uh, the unbeaten run was gone, so that was it, and it ended up Southend United 2, Exeter City 1. Grecian talk. Okay, and uh, well, Barry Kaur, he had to score, didn't he, Hans? Of course he did, he was either, either going to get sent off or he was going to score a goal, um, <laughs> it had to be one of them, and, and that first, uh, that goal by him, um, that really brought Southend back into the game, was one very good bullet header um, you'll have to question what the defence and uh, Arthur was doing to have allowed that in but um, I think as his manager said after the game um, that was 17 months of pent up frustration by Barry Cole that uh, uh, put the effort the uh, power into that heady goal Yeah I struggled to actually um, hear what anything Paul Sturrock said after the match but uh, defending is it, was it slightly I a bit it's a bit soft goals to concede, Paul, do you think? Because they look to me that we could have defended them a bit better. Yeah, I think we could have done, to be honest. I saw the highlights this morning and they were both both pretty soft, really. Like uh, Hans was saying, Kreisak's positioning for uh, Kaur's goal could have been better. And even the second one, it was a sort of high hanging cross at the back post and no one seemed to be marking Eastwood. And even it wasn't a great header either, I guess. It sort of, well, he headed it down, which you have to do, but it looked, it looked avoidable, definitely. And so late in the game as well, two, two, both goals in the last 12 minutes. It was very disappointing to lose out like that. Two goals like that, when you think, um, with Coles and Baldwin, they should both have aerial strength to, and the positioning sense to get those sort of balls away, as they have been doing for the last, well, six games or so. But unfortunately, yesterday, they couldn't do that. Yeah, and on a more positive note, um, Scott Bennett up in, He's been the standout man, really, this season, hasn't he? Um, he got his second goal of the season yesterday, and it's not only um, his work great defensively and, you know, in the middle of the park, he can contribute goals as well, Hans. Do you think he's the complete midfielder? I think he's doing very well in midfield. I mean, it's like he's been playing there for uh, five or six seasons for us in the uh, first team. Um, it was a great goal at Oxford from uh, Header, and this one was uh, uh, quite a simple one um, to, to put in. Uh, it's important, I think, for him to get goals. We need the midfield to score goals as well as the uh, front line. Um, I think he's um, going to be really happy with how his season is going. Yeah, certainly a very promising young player. Right then, we're going to move on now. And uh, we're going to look uh, discuss the tribunal fees which were released earlier on in the week for uh, Troy, Archibald, Hemville and James Dunn, who went to um, Swindon and uh, Stevenage, respectively, at the end of last season. We'll start with James Dunn. 
Uh, this is what the tribunal fee was for him. It was an initial compensation fee of uh, 75000 to be paid by Stevenage. Additionally, um, they'll pay Exeter a further 25000 after the player has made 30 and 60 appearances. Um, so that could mean a total further payment of uh, 50 £1,000. Stevenage should also pay extra 20% of any profit made by Stevenage in selling the player to another club at any point in the future. And, uh, Paul, surely we've got to be happy with that outcome. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's good money for a player like Dunn, to be honest, to get what could work out as over hundred grand for him. I think they've done really well out of that. And possibly it could go into some funds, if not for January, then for next summer to maybe strengthen the score. Because, I mean, it's a... Tisdale obviously doesn't like spending money in the transfer market and hasn't done it before, or perhaps hasn't been able to do it very much before, but now with this boost, then he might be able to. And yeah, I think that's a good fee to get for Dunn. Although I think uh, Julian Tagg said um, that they anticipated um, some of the money, and they've put that into the budget early on, actually, so some of the money has already been spent. But uh, Hans, if um, Stevenage knew they were going to pay um, so much for... James Dunn, do you think they still would have signed him? It's difficult to know how, how well Stevenage uh, finance is going. What I do like is the Football League or this tribunal is the, um, the idea that Stevenage are unlikely to get promoted because it's quite a different uh, set of add-ons from the Swindon Town ones. Um, I, I, I think that's good money for uh, Danny. Came to us free. Arsenal, in effect, did the, um, the youth development for him. Um, we just sort of you know, played him for a couple of seasons and developed him in that way. So um, I think we're, we're more than happy with that. Yeah, he was a good player for us, though, and his uh, um, strike against uh, Plymouth Argyle will be uh, remembered for quite some years to come. As for Troy Archibald Henville, well, it's an initial compensation fee of 200000 that Swindon have to pay. Initially, they are to pay Exeter a further 20000 after the player has made 15, 30, 45 and 60 appearances, i.e. a total further payment of 80000 Swindon should also pay Exeter a sum of 40000 if they are promoted to the championship while the player is employed by the club. Uh, Swindon should also pay Exeter a further sum of 100000 if they are promoted to the Premier League, which, whilst the player is employed by the club, which is... Slightly unlikely, but um, Swindon should also pay uh, Exeter 25, uh, 20% of uh, any profit made by Swindon in selling the player uh, to another club. Um, Paul, we'll start with you again, and that's a, another fantastic outcome, really, for Trichabeld Henville, considering we only paid £50,000 for him. Well, yeah, I was about to say that, really, to make that kind of profit on him is really good. And But I think, at the same time, it's sort of deserved as well, because... Exeter have sort of brought him on. They put faith in him, that firstly on the loan spell, and then to commit by uh, paying £50,000 for him. And they've given him good lower league experience, which has allowed him to make the step up to Swindon. So, um, And I think he was, he's a good defender as well, Archibald Henville, and he's still young, of course, and he'll probably get better. So I think they deserve that sort of fee for Archibald Henville, and I'm glad that they've got it. Yeah, personally, I think it's it shows what a good manager Paul Tisdell is, because he's... Um, I think Troy's the only player he's uh, paid a fee for, and it um, shows really what a what a good manager he is when he when he sees a player and knows that he's got uh, potential, and you know he sold him on for quite a substantial profit. Do you agree with that, Hans? 
Yeah, it's excellent deals. You know, we talk about, the club talks about um, getting £1.50 for every pound spent. Um, I think we've more than uh, met that one. It's always difficult in these circumstances to really know what a player is worth. I mean, I believe we've got £75,000 for Scott Goldburn. Um, you know, what is the value of a player uh, these days? Um, I always worry about um, tribunals trying to depress the market effectively, trying to make sure that transfer fees don't run away to something silly. Um, so, you know, this is all good money, £200,000, uh, will do us a lot of good, um, help us towards the end of the, you know, to get to the end of the season, and if necessary, if we, um, in for a promotion challenge, we've got the opportunity to bolster the squad, um, to the end of the season, um, to make sure we go up in the automatics. Yeah, I think it's an excellent outcome, and I'm not sure we could have predicted much better, really. Um, right then, we're going to move on now to discuss League Two. There was four goalless uh, draws yesterday, um, which is a bit of a surprise for League Two, but we have got four, um, two, I beg your pardon, managerial sackings um, for the lack of uh, matches to discuss. And uh, the first of those was um, last week, and that was Terry Brown, AFC Wimbledon manager Terry Brown, who was uh, sacked by AFC Wimbledon. He took uh, Wimbledon from the lower regions of non-league into the Football League. And a pool, should he have been given more time by the club, considering the, um, the success he's brought to them? Well, on the face of it, you'd think so, because, he, like you say, he's taken them right from through the leagues and up into the Football League. But then again, there's only so much time you can have for sort of sentiment and things like that, because I was, I was reading the comments on the... BBC story about his sacking and there's a few on there from sort of Wimbledon fans saying that he's sort of taking them as far as he can and all of that and they're sort of not I don't think they're playing very well this season and they're not very pleased with how he set them up and whatever this season so I mean I, I don't I haven't seen them play properly this year I've seen highlights and stuff but I mean if he's not if the team aren't performing then I guess they, and they felt a change was necessary then so be it and you can't just keep him on because of what he's done with him in the past, I suppose. But having said that, like you say, it, it does seem a harsh one because he's taken them right through and you'd think they might give him a little bit more time, but obviously it's not to be. Did you hear that Terry Brown was there at Wickham yesterday? He was in the away end with the uh, Wimbledon fans. Uh, that was an absolutely fantastic gesture by, the, uh, by Terry Brown. Shows that he's really got um, Wimbledon in his heart. Um, no idea what the fans must have thought, but uh, I think that's quite an amazing gesture. Yeah, he did an interview on the 606 last night as well, and I think that's a yeah really good gesture by him um, to the fans for their support over the past few years. Um, they haven't got a massive budget, have they, Wimbledon, considering they're a fans-owned uh, club like City? And, you know, it's only eight games into the season. I believe they should have given him more time, maybe, you know, 10, 12 games, or about uh, you, Hans. I think uh, Wimbledon are very harsh on managers. Um, I think Terry Brown's been uh, given quite a few chances that previous managers haven't. I think they've got a reputation that if a manager doesn't get them promoted in the first season, they get sacked. And uh, Terry Brown has been the first one that, that hasn't applied to. Who do you think uh, is going to take over there now, uh, Hans? Um, Laurie Sanchez, maybe, the, a former Wimbledon player? I, I don't think so. I think there'll be... Um, um, someone, someone that's not probably been too connected to Wimbledon. I think there must be a few um, managers around that are out of work at the moment. I think this is definitely one that Tisdale won't be going to, and I don't think would be linked to either. That will make a, a nice change. Tisdale not linked to a managerial vacancy. Right, we're going to move on now to Wickham, and they sacked Gary Waddock 
after uh, yesterday's, um, did they lose yesterday? I think they did. Just, uh, yeah, they lost 1-0 to Wimbledon uh, yesterday. Um, he hasn't really, he took them over, I think, in League 2, didn't he, Warduk? And he was unable to cement the Chairboys as a League 1 club. And ultimately, Paul, he's paid the price. He has, but at the same time, not many managers have been able to cement Wickham as a League 1 club. They've been up and down between the two divisions for the last decade or so really and um, I think it's more to do with the start of this season really and the fact that he doesn't look like getting them back up than the fact that they went down last year. I think if, they, if they'd started the season a bit more promising then um, I think he would have been, obviously would have been given more time but they, they're slumped down there in 21st with four points from seven games and that could have been worse for them because they were losing the one that was abandoned to Bristol Rovers as well and so they would be below Russell Rovers if that carried on. So they really haven't started the season particularly well, which has surprised me. And like we were saying earlier, they've lost Bevan, which has been a blow. But um, I, I think they'll, I'm not sure who they'll get as their new manager, but they'll probably get a bit of that new manager effect that seems to occur when the new manager comes in and gets a few points on the board. But um, that, one, that one's not so much of a shock, I don't think, Wardock being Zach. Yeah, um, maybe Laurie Sanchez to uh, replace him. I'm not. Laurie Sanchez is agent, but he, he is a former Wickham manager, so I'm only putting his name about, you know, doing him a favour. What about you, Hans? Who do you think is going to take over there at um, Adams Park? I, I wonder if it might be Dean Ellsworth from Oldershaw, because that's uh, where Gary Roddock came from. Um, one of the old things um, about these two seconds is, of course, League Two has three trust-run clubs, uh, AFC Wimbledon and Wickham Wanderers, and they've both sat their managers. Is Paul Tisdale going to be in a job by the end of the week? <laughs> oh, I think we've got a bit more loyalty to uh, Tiz. He's done a fantastic job, hasn't he? Morecambe 2, Plymouth 3. Well, this is a real shock um, scoreline, really, considering Morecambe are winning 2-0, weren't they? And at half-time, I was having a look on Twitter, and a lot of Argyle fans were uh, calling for Carl Fletcher's head. But what a response uh, by Plymouth Argyle, Paul. Yeah, they did well, to be fair, in the second half to come back. But two penalties, I suppose. Got a bit of luck there, really. But um, you can't you can't knock it, I guess, going back from 2-0 down with 20 minutes to go. It's a good result for them, and it might start their season. I mean, they um, haven't started the season particularly well, but a win like that can give you some momentum, and they might carry on and get a few victories now. Yeah, and uh, what do you make of that, Hans? And what do you make of uh, Carl Fletcher as a manager? I'm not entirely convinced by him. What about you? No, I think um, it's going to take a bit longer than he's probably going to get to um, get his managerial feet under the table and get the results to come. I was at um, an FA Cup match yesterday, Gosport versus Biddyford, and I was quite enjoying Twitter for a while because uh, Argyle were two 0 down and uh, Exeter were one 0 up, and then suddenly it all went wrong in the last. Um, you know, ten minutes or so, yeah. and kind of like, no, I think there's a problem with my Twitter feed, really. But that was an excellent win for uh, Plymouth, and I'm sure that'll give them a, an enormous boost. Don't know what it is about Morecambe. They uh, they struggle to win at home. Yeah, they do, seem to do brilliantly away, didn't they? Of course, that three 0 win at St James Park earlier on in the season, which we won't bring back. It brings back bad memories. But um, as for Oxford, they've had a shaky start, haven't they? But uh, Bradford, another fantastic win for them at Oxford yesterday and Hans you said earlier on in the season I think it was in our first episode that um, you didn't think Bradford would be uh, promotion contenders are you ready to reassess that now? I'm not going to reassess that at the moment. We've only played, what, eight games, so uh, I'll give it a bit longer. Um, you know, they are up 
in the top half of the table, which for a club of that size, um, they really should be there. They should really always be challenging promotion, I would have thought. They must have a bit of, bit of money and a bit of resources to uh, propel them along. And uh, as for Oxford, they started the season well, didn't they? But um, they've now slumped down to 17th place. And if their pool run continues, Paul, will Chris Wilder be the next uh, League Two manager to go? Uh, it could be, I suppose. Um, you, I mean, they, would, they started the season really well, of course, and then Exeter went to them and, well, beat them quite convincingly, and then they went and got smashed at Burton and Cheltenham, beat them as well, and then so they got four defeats in a row now, and they've flown down the table like a shot, really. Um, so if that carries on, then he could go, but I think there's more than enough time for him to turn it around for them. What do you make of that, Hans? Because Oxford are a club with um, pretty big expectations. They've got uh, huge expectations, but I think when we were there a few weeks ago, you could see that um, there are a lot of problems with Oxford. I think I might have used the, uh, the word inept uh, about Oxford at some of their uh, attacks, and I think you know we we just precipitated something that was inevitable for them. They just didn't have enough quality players. I haven't looked at some um, ex Exeter City player uh, Luke O'Brien started playing for them yet, or is he still on the subs bench? I'm not sure, actually, because it's his uh, old club, isn't it, Bradford, um, who they were playing yesterday. And I'll just have a quick look at that. And uh, for Oxford, O'Brien did start for them, I believe. Number 23 for Oxford, if he is number 23, um, Luke O'Brien. He was substituted in the second half, but it does look like he did start uh, for Oxford yesterday against his former club. All right, maybe that's his uh, one and only appearance for Oxford. I'd have to keep an eye on that one. <laughs> All right. Um, Right, then we're going to look ahead now to uh, next Saturday, and it's uh, uh, West Country Derby at St. James Park as we welcome Bristol Rovers, struggling Bristol Rovers, to the park. And, uh, uh, Paul, this is surely a game we should be winning. Well, looking at the league table, you'd think so, but it's the sort of game where sort of the fans maybe go into it uh, thinking, oh, this will be comfortable, and the danger is that the players go into it with that mindset as well. And then if you get complacent, then you can be surprised on the day because Bristol Rovers have still got some decent players. I think, uh, is Matt Gill playing for them now, I think? So it'll be a return for him. Yeah. And I don't think it's the sort of game that you can go into just sort of assuming that City will win just because of the league table because it is still a relatively early season league table. But having said that, I'd obviously I hope City will get the win and I think they'll have enough about them to do it. Oh, Paul, you're starting to sound like a robot. I'm not sure what's going on here. It's like an episode of Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> yeah, it must be. Uh, yeah, I've got issues at this end. Right, I think that's just about it for this week's show anyway. Um, thank you both for your company. Um, we're also, um, I think we're going to be on iTunes soon as well. I submitted the uh, podcast um, to them yesterday, and I think they're reviewing it at the moment. So hopefully we'll be on iTunes soon. So, um, yeah, we'll let you know when we're on there on our Twitter account, at Grecian Talk, and on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Grecian Talk. Um, yeah, and then you could uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, which would be uh, very nice of you. Um, right, that's um, about it for this week's show. Thank you very much to uh, Paul Martin and Paul Sussex for their company. Thank you very much for listening and join us soon for more Grecian Talk. The music for the show is by Kevin McLeod. His website, incompetech.com.